I'm excited. You guys excited to be in church this morning? Yeah. All right. You can get your worship guys out. You can get uh, your phones out. Get on version if you want to follow us. Real quick, uh, all the men in the house say hoorah. hoorah. We're getting ready to have a men's advance. The reason we call it a men's advance is because men don't retreat. Can I have an amen? amen. You like that? Isn't that good? That's a keeper. Okay, so we're going to have a, a men's advance on March 1st. That's coming up lickety split. Um, so make sure you sign up today. Uh, you can, I think you flip this. Yep, you flip that, and uh, you can just put it in the connection box. Um, we'll have some manly food. Uh, we'll have some manly competition. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Uh, we're going to have sumo suits. And, uh, yep, oh yeah, sure, absolutely. So, uh, no pictures. Uh, so, there'll be some competition uh, at that. Pastor Randy Bizet, one of my closest friends in ministry, will be here from Florida. He pastors, uh, last year was the ninth fastest growing church in America. So, that, that's, New England doesn't really care about that stuff so much, but I just want you to know, he, he's, he's a rock star in the faith and just an awesome guy. He's a Cajun, he's funny, he tells Boudreaux jokes, if you know what those are. And the best ones in the business. Um, he pastored my son in ministry for a couple of years and my daughter for a year. And uh, we just love um, hanging out. I'm actually going to be with him uh, a little bit next week as well. So uh, down that way for Relate. For those of you guys who know, we partner with Relate Coaching. So uh, there's a Relate event down in Florida that um, I'll be at for that. But he's coming up. So don't miss that, guys. Please make plans. We're uh, continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. And... Um, how many have been here for most of that? Just raise your hand if you've been here for most of the Holy Spirit. Okay, good, good. So for those of you that are kind of catching up, uh, just do a quick review. I think in a nutshell, um, this is tough because if you haven't been here the whole time, I like to teach things very systemically and just kind of build on things so that there's a good foundation. So that when we kind of, um, when we kind of unpack something, it, it, it impacts you. And um, so I'm going to just pray the Holy Spirit help me you know, help you catch up. And, but basically, I think there's just been a systematic um, attempt of the enemy, which you can, uh, you can choose not to believe in, but I believe that we have an enemy who would like to kind of uh, just put blinders on our eyes about the subject, uh, in particular the person of the Holy Spirit, to kind of keep us in the dark on what, uh, you know, he's all about. And I personally believe that he's just kind of had a particular strategy um, to um, make the Holy Spirit, people associated with the Holy Spirit, seem weird, all right? And it, I mean, I think that's just been his number one tactic, is that anything that, re, that with regards to the subject of the Holy Spirit is just weird, and anybody who believes in it, anybody who's experienced anything about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit is weird, and the truth is the Holy Spirit is not weird. That's actually what I was thinking about calling the series. It, it, next time I do the series, I'll call it that. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are, right? And there's probably one or two of them to your right or to your left. Don't look right now. It wouldn't be a good time. Oh, those weird people. But uh, weird people complicate everything, don't they? And so uh, anyway, I've, so I've wanted always when this, this whole thing, even as a pastor in a church, a spirit-filled church, we believe it. I mean, just this, is, this isn't something new to our church. This has been a part of our church belief and doctrine since its inception. Um, but I've always wanted to distance myself from that, those people, and, but at the same time, in the process sometimes of distancing yourself from that and those people, you can be distancing yourself from experience with the Holy Spirit in, 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 the, in, the, in doing so. Does that make sense? And so we have to find that, that balance and, and, and not let those weirdos kind of hijack the potentially genuine move of the Spirit, which we have had recently. Um, and anyway, I believe that, in a nutshell, you can't really live the Christian life successfully without the help of the Holy Spirit. Just don't. I think we can find eternity successfully because of what Jesus did, but I don't think we can really do it well out there without his help, the Holy Spirit specifically. And so in week one, we kind of debunked all the myths and all the misinformation and poor messages that are out there on the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about his primary role, you know, to kind of come alongside you and he's your, and, and he's your helper and he's your comforter and he's your counselor. And, and then we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. 
It'd be amazing if we, if we saw him as a person, not an it or a force, you know, or something from Star Wars. He's, he's a person. He's God. He's God. He's God with us. And, um, and, he, has, and he has feelings and his thoughts and his desires, and, and, and you can grieve him. And when you realize that you can grieve this person who should be a primary relationship in your life, it's a lot harder. Put it this way. It's a lot easier to live the Christian life. It's a lot harder to, to, to just trip and fall. Because you don't want to offend direct, uh, directly a person. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. It makes sense? And so then in week uh, three, I think we talked about Pentecost, kind of unpacked what that was all about and looked at the Old Testament and the New Testament and really where all this stuff all started and what happened and it's still relevant to today. And one of my favorite messages is week four, which we talked about the three types of baptisms. How many were here for the baptisms thing? If you weren't, you, you need to get that message. It will help you in your in your spiritual journey, because the, it's, we're all, we're, there's three different types of baptism in the New Testament. Baptism in the body of Christ or Jesus, which is talking about salvation. There's water baptism. In fact, that particular uh, message, a lot of you felt like that's my next step. A lot of you have come to Christ already, but now you know your next step is to be water baptized. It's kind of a, it's an outward demonstration of an inward conviction. It's a public proclamation of what I've already decided to do personally. Now I'm going public, and before man and God, I decide to get baptized. It's powerful. It's, and so we have one coming up in March. Many of you decided to sign up for that. Um, some of you need to just like Get your applications in. Come on, let's get after it, okay? You said yes in a connection card. Now you just got to fill out your application so we can just be a good steward uh, and have a great water baptism. But we're going to have an awesome, there's a lot of people already signed up for that water baptism. I encourage you guys to, uh, to follow up with that. And then we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in two services just a couple of weeks ago, in a main service, we had over 70 people respond to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've never seen that in my pastorate here. So that was absolutely, yeah, let's give the Lord a big hand. That was powerful. And I could tell you a bunch of stuff that happened in that service, but I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit was in the house. And God was moving. I mean, powerfully. I mean, like people, God speaking directly to people, people overcome with the the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was was just, it was so powerful. It was so awesome. It was genuine. It was, I, I love it. I love it. But today we're going to talk about charisma, or really the charismatic uh, kind of label. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, so sometimes people ask me, you know, are we charismatic? Um, and when people sometimes ask that question, I kind of respond with, um, well, uh, <clears throat> swallow deeply. Because um, it, it kind of depends, because there's like, there's a, there's a cultural definition, there's actually a movement definition, and, and there's, just, there's just a lot of, it's, it's similar to that whole Pentecostal terminology, and, and really, um, th- there are behaviors and mannerisms associated with charismatics, or we used to call them uh, charismatic charismatics, because charismatics are known for just following signs, so they want to go to the latest and greatest, wherever the hype and wherever the, you know... Um, you know, the latest thing is happening. They just move around, charismatic, charismatics. It's just whatever. It's funny for some people. But, um, but basically, it's problematic in a way because uh, people are just, they're attracted sometimes to these attractions. And, and when people ask me that, some, I just sometimes, uh, you know, him and haw about it. But um, the truth is, if you're saying, do we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? That the, are they for today? Do we believe in the person, the role? All the things that I've taught thus far, then yes, then yes, we are charismatic. But I do want to distance myself from some of the behaviors and some of the mannerisms that I've seen, that I've, that I've experienced, that I've watched in, in, in the media and things like that. But, but I think it's important to establish more of a biblical definition, and let's just see what the Bible says and go from there. Can we do that with an open heart? All right? So that's kind of what we're going to do today. The word charisma uh, is a Greek word where we get this charismatic word, and charisma, uh, charis, means grace. So there's some bonus material if, you want to, if you're, you're note takers. And if you're not a note taker, it's a good idea to take notes because it's good for you because uh, the pen and paper remember what the mind forgets. So I encourage that. But uh, charis is grace. Ma, the, the, the two letters at the end of that, ma means, means gifts. So grace gifts, okay? It's really like a double 
declarative. It's, it's like a double dose. Grace Gifts are from grace, but it's a grace gift. So it's kind of a double declarative, if that makes sense to you. But the Holy Spirit gives these to us, these, these gifts, and we don't really deserve them. I actually know somebody who was, uh, there was a craze in the South where everybody was naming their kid Karis, uh, but... This particular guy had a problem because his last name was Maddox, M-A-D-D-O-X. You can see if you're charismatic. Anyway, she didn't, she didn't get named that. But um, charisma, let me give you the definition for charisma. It is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit, the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift, we'll come back to that, for the edification of others. Everybody try. I think it's one of the best definitions that I've seen on this particular word. And these gifts are spoken of uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and I'm going to just unpack a few of these verses, verse 1 and 4 through 6, 7 and 8 through 11, just a minute. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now concerning. Everybody say, now concerning. Now I'm going to answer why, why he said that in a second. That phrase is actually used six different times in the book of Corinthians. Um, but, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, or could say sistren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, unfortunately, the church, the body of Christ, believers, are as a whole primarily ignorant of their spiritual gifts. 87% of believers do not know their spiritual gifts. Most of you in this room probably do not know what your spiritual gifts are. That's why I encourage you strongly to go to uh, 301 tonight, C301 tonight, because actually the whole class is about this message this morning. So if you're like intrigued by some of the topic you want more, tonight is the night for you to go, 5.30. If you're gonna go, um, there's already a lot of people going, but please come. We have food for you. We have childcare, et cetera. It'd probably be like a church service, so growth track, get ready. Um, Anyway, the reason he says now concerning is, is because, and you might be sh- shocked by this, this is 1 Corinthians in your Bible, but it's actually not the first letter to, to the Corinthians. He's actually, it's actually the second letter, but it's 1 Corinthians, okay? Just trust me on this for the sake of time, all right? So basically, Paul is actually responding to, to, to questions that the Corinthian church is bringing to him. So he's, that's why he says different times, now concerning, now concerning. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 9 in that particular book, he says, I wrote to you in my earlier epistle. So in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he's referring back to an earlier epistle. We don't have that epistle. We don't have that letter. I don't know why. Paul wrote it. God said, no, nah, that's not good enough. Throw it out. I don't know. It's just not in there, okay? But he's responding to that to that letter, and he says, now concerning, in response to them. And you have to understand that this, this Corinthian church was not a Jewish congregation. It was a Gentile congregation. In other words, they weren't raised in church. They didn't know the, they didn't kind of know the, the rules and regs. And the, the, they, church wasn't normal to them. And, and um, they, they, had, they had some gaps. They had some big gaps, actually. So they're being introduced to these powerful truths, but they have a lot of carnality. Carnality is like, is, is, is a mixture you know, a flesh, and it's like sinful and godly nature mix. It's carnality. It's not good for you. It's lukewarm behaviors, and it can sometimes stifle. It does, not sometimes. It stifles sometimes the move of God, and so Paul's trying to correct that, and he's giving them these different um, responses, and this was a very Corinthian church. The, the, uh, Corinth was a very wicked city. It actually had two well-known sins that it was known for. It was known for being a very sexual, sensual city and a very affluent, um, wealth-oriented culture as well. It kinda, does that kind of ring a bell to a city maybe in America today? We, we call it Sin City. Right, so it's similar to like a Las Vegas. That's what Corinth was like, all right? And so um, Paul is attempting to pastor them here and kind of get them through this. They actually worship the goddess Aphrodite, if you're really interested in all the history stuff. But anyway, skip ahead, next few verses, and you're going to see um, in, in verse 4, I think it's in your notes, but you're going to spot the Trinity here. I always like how the Trinity kind of shows up in different places within the Bible. Uh, it actually shows up in Ephesians 4 as well, but you'll see it right here. In verse 4, it says, there are diversities of gifts. Diversities of gifts. That's actually charisma here, the Greek word, but the same spirit. 
referring to the Holy Spirit. Here's the first part of the Trinity. There are differences of ministries. Now, this differences of ministries is referring to the five office gifts referred to in Ephesians 4. I know this is a little teachy, but some of us like this. And those gifts are actually given to us by Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, you see Jesus, but the same Lord. Again, Jesus. And there are diversity of activities. That's going to be our focus of the day today. This is... this. Activities is a Greek word, and energma, I think is how you say it. It's referring to the energy, kind of the power of the Holy Spirit. But the same God, and I believe that word God is referring to the Father, who works all and in all. Now, these activities, that third description, are what we're going to talk about today. But before I get to that, I want to quickly just say there are some other locations in the Bible that talk about gifts. We're going to talk about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, but there are other types of gifts. There are the motivational gifts, if you're interested, in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. There are actually seven motivational gifts there, things like exhortation and leadership and mercy and giving and I'm not going to talk about those this morning for the sake of time. There are also the ministry gifts given to us by Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm actually, this is going to sound funny, but just hang on. I'm actually a gift from Jesus. The, the Bible says that Jesus gave some, not many, but some apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So Jesus gave you some, um, uh, uh, some ministry gifts, some office gifts they're referred to for the equipping of the saints, amen? So that's, that's another type of gift, all right? But, but I'm gonna talk more about the manifestations or the manifestation gifts. These are the, the kind of the power gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. In verse seven, are you guys still with me? I'm talking fast. You're gonna get a lot of info on this one. But the manifestations, this means the Holy Spirit kind of makes himself known, of the Spirit is given to each one. Everybody say each one. Who does he give them to? Each one. The manifestations, these power gifts, these spiritual gifts are given to each one for the profit of, it says, all. Who's it for? It's for everybody. It's an all play. It's an all skate. Everybody gets to go in the pool on this one. All right, that's just, just seeing if you're paying attention, okay? So now... Here in these, uh, these gifts, these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, there are nine of them. This is, the, I want to just parenthetically say, this is what you get in relationship with the Holy Spirit. I've told you thus far that when you, are, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive power, Acts 1.8, to be a witness uh, people that deal with shame, like I believe, in, I believe in Jesus, but I have the hardest time telling somebody about it. Most Christians have never shared their faith with someone else in their entire Christian experience. It's because you don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will make you a powerful witness. Once you have the Holy Spirit, it's like there's no shame in your game. It doesn't mean you're standing on top of tables and whacking people over the head with a Bible and you're a freak show. No, it just means you have a wonderful secret and you want to tell it to all your friends and you get good at doing that. And when the opportunity pops up, you speak up. You're bold, okay? So you get power when you get the Holy Spirit. You get the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five. You get love, which is the most important part of this all. You actually care about people. Imagine that. First Corinthians 13 really kind of is the glue for all the gifts anyway. And then you get all the gifts, not just one. So we're talking about those gifts right now, specifically these power gifts that can help you in that crazy nuts world that you're going to walk into as soon as you leave today. So everybody understands? That's why this teaching is important. It's not to pass a test or fill out a survey or make sure that, you know, you're checking some boxes and crossing some T's and dotting some I's. It's going to help you in life if you understand these gifts, Okay. So there's nine of them. Now, my daddy used to teach me they've kind of broken down into pieces. Um, and I'll, I'll do that in just a second. But here's the nine gifts. Verse 8, it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. So you see two off so far. Through the same Spirit. To another, faith. There's three. The same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. There's another one. The same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these. The Holy Spirit works all of these. Distributing to each one. Everybody say each one. 
individually as he wills. So he determines, he distributes that as he wills. This is very important. And let me say something that I believe about the gifts that I think you need to hear and may have never heard or thought of before. But I believe that this text clearly reveals that the gifts are owned by the Holy Spirit. Listen, they're not owned by you. You're a steward of the gifts. He owns them all. They're from him. And I don't believe any believer has just one gift. You can have them all. You might have a gift that you are more confident in, have operated in more routinely and or regularly, but the truth of the matter is you can operate in all of the gifts as a steward, but the Holy Spirit owns them all. You don't. Just read the text again and see it for yourself. I believe he has these gifts, and he gives the gifts to each believer as the believer has need, as he wills. So I believe any believer anytime can have a word of knowledge. Any believer anytime can have a word of wisdom. Any believer anytime can have a gift of healing, the working of miracles, a gift of faith. All those things are available to any believer. And I'm going to tell you why as we go forward. This is what's, and this is, again, I think new to a lot, especially us charismatics, charismatic charismatics too. But um, this is what's wonderful about the Holy Spirit is he gives to each one as he wills for the profit of all. Are you getting this, guys? So again, you might have more experience, you might have more confidence with one, but don't confuse that with, this is my gift, my, I own it. No, it's not. It's the Holy Spirit's gifts, and he's given it to you. You, you can use it as he wills, as there's need. And you can, you can, you, and you can have them all. It, it, more on that as we go forward. But let me give you the, the nine gifts, okay? I'm going to break them into three kind of areas, Sometimes people refer to these things as the think, say, act like God. Some people refer to these as uh, the perceiving gifts, the promotional gifts, and the power gifts. But I'm going to do it this way this morning. The discerning gifts. That's the first one. The discerning gifts. Some people call this the think like God. The first gift spoken of in 1 Corinthians is the word of knowledge. To some to know something specific, here's the definition, to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. How, how many of that would be really great when you're in school? You know what I'm saying? Like, why didn't I have that gift when I was in high school? Uh, that would have been really helpful. Let me give you an illustration of this particular gift. I'll give you two quickly. One time, this, this would be a little crazy. One time I had um, a leader in our church, their, 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 their child was having some tremendous sickness and issues or whatever, some chronic skin issues. And they came to me for prayer. This, this, you can believe this, do whatever you want with this. And I didn't, didn't really know what to do. And, and the Holy Spirit gave me, I believe, a word of knowledge and told me to tell them, this is not, this, this is, I'll just say it. And I just said, you know what? She's going to get a really bad rash tonight. And, and tomorrow morning, she's going to wake up and her skin will be just like a baby. She'll just be totally healed. I'm going to pray for her right now. And we prayed for her. It's exactly what happened. That night actually got worse. This uh, Steve and Nicole Borst might even be in the room right now. They're probably working downstairs in kids' church, the little daughter, Emma. And rash, just a horrible rash came over the whole body. Next day she woke up, skin was just like a baby's butt. Now, here's the thing about a word of knowledge. You need to be right. Because <laughs> that would have really, part of my friend, sucked if that didn't go well. Okay? Similarly, I remember being in, in this church years ago. We were having a special meeting, and people were coming down to receive prayer, and we were praying for marriages. And this particular gentleman came down, and he wasn't with his spouse. Spouse was nowhere to be found, and he started bad-mouthing his, his spouse. And right then, the Holy Spirit, I, I got something. As soon as I saw him, I got something. And this, again, this is not the kind of stuff you want to just be throwing around. And his sister-in-law was standing right next to him, and, and he starts bad-mouthing his wife, and he wants me to pray for her. I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm just going to whisper this in your ear because your, sis your sister-in-law is right there. And I whispered in the ear, I said, the Holy Spirit told me, and I basically told him that he was in an adulterous relationship, and the Holy Spirit gave me the girl's name. Again, you need to be right. <laughs> Needless to say, the guy dropped right to his knees right there and repented, right on the spot. Rededicated his life to Christ. So that's a word of knowledge. How, how many maybe think that could be fun once in a while? <laughs> Makes evangelism kind of easy. You know what I'm saying? All right? So I haven't done that a lot, but it's happened a couple of times. John chapter 4, Jesus talked about this. This is an example where Jesus had a word of knowledge for the woman, you know, uh, at, the, at the well. 
you know, and she, 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 she basically said, I perceive, you know, I perceive you're a prophet. Why did she say that? Because he said, you know, the, the, the man you're now with is not, not your husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. Remember that whole story? It's a word of knowledge. So that's one. Discerning of spirits. Here's another one. Discerning of spirits. I could tell you a bunch of stories about this, but it would probably be a wild, a wild service. But uh, the, the definition is this, to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. To be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Now, you don't have to believe in that kind of stuff, but I just believe in it because I've just seen some really crazy things. And, and you, can't, you can't explain some of the stuff that... I think many of you have seen it. You've, just had, you've tried to explain it away, numb it, dumb it, put it aside or whatever. You've seen, some, you've seen some really... I mean, in fact, we say it almost like as a description, but not so much as a conviction. And that, that is just like demonic. You know, that's kind of say it was... A, a kid's got the devil in him. Probably. My kids had the devil in them. We had to beat it out of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So let me say this about the discerning of spirits as a point of contrast. The discerning of spirits, it is not the gift of discernment. All right? Now I'm going to be really pastoral right here. This typically bends more towards one gender over the other, and I think you know which one you are. But this is not the gift of discernment. There's not a gift in the Bible of discernment. You need discernment. The Bible tells us to discern good from evil, but it's not a gift of discernment. It's the discerning of spirits. In fact, the gift of discernment in many cases is really just the gift of criticism. Mm, let that one sit, sink. You know, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second. Okay. So that, that, that's a problem. And basically what we do is we, we, we want to label a critical spirit, and, and really it's our judgment, and we want to call it God's judgment. Well, that person, I've, I've discerned something there, that are, and I think they're struggling with such and such. We need to pray for him. And meanwhile, we're, we're being um, indiscreet. Meanwhile, we are maligning their character. Meanwhile, we are assessing, you know, the situation and we're judging them. And that's really not the role of the, of, that's not a gift. That's criticism. It's just what it is. So anyway, um, I could give you a lot on that one. But a scripture from Acts 16, I won't really go into it all right now, but a, 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 a new believer, this guy gets saved, real, just literally like, and immediately he gets, a, he gets discernment about a particular situation. And uh, Paul, excuse me, I'm sorry, this is a story about Paul. Paul discerns that this, this woman who has an evil spirit, and, and she's talking him and stalking him, and, and she's got this spirit of divination on her, and he discerns this evil spirit, and he, com- he rebukes it. He rebukes it in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and it came out that very hour, very powerful. Um, would, I would just say this. Wouldn't it be helpful to know if there was an evil spirit coming against your marriage? Wouldn't it be helpful to know if there was, an, there was a particular spirit that was coming against your teenage son or daughter that you want to come back to faith or come to faith? Wouldn't it be good to know if there's a spirit that's against your business? It seems like I'm doing everything right, but everything seems to be opposing me. What could, I've dedicated this to you, God. I've consecrated my life. What is it? could be an evil spirit, and you need discernment. That's what this gift is for. I, I prayed for discernment. We were going through our whole Connect the Dots campaign. We came under major attack for about a three-month period in the church. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. You, gotta, you need discerning of spirits for stuff like that. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says in Ephesians, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places and spiritual wickedness. And we got to see that we don't wage war as the world wages war. And we also got to understand that God gave us this gift. And every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? So here's the next one, the word of wisdom, a word of wisdom. This is the one that I properly probably operate in the most. It's not my gift. It's just the gift that I use the most. It's a divine answer or solution for a particular event. Uh, I, I was saying this prematurely, but in John chapter 9, there was a blind man that was healed. He was just barely saved, and he just refuted the religious Pharisees, all their knowledge, all their ability, and all the things that they, all their perfect answers, and he just refuted them so perfectly. God gave him a, a word of wisdom. It's helpful when you receive you know, wisdom from God when you're not sure what to do and how to do it. Again, with Connect the Dots just a while back, my wife and I were looking at our finance. We don't make a ton of money, um, but we're, we're blessed, so don't get me wrong, but, but we, we have a certain standard of giving. And I believe that God raises your standard of 
give, living so he can raise your standard of giving. So we were looking at our standard of living and our standard of giving and just saying, God, what do you want to do here? And so we, were bring, we bought the tithe, you know, consistently for 22 years, and we bring offerings. But now this is above and beyond. How are we going to do this? And God gave me a word of wisdom how to do that. In the middle of the night, one night, I woke up, I shared it with my wife, and she's, she, she's like, that's brilliant. How did you think of that? You know, like, like she was shocked. And I, I said, I didn't. I didn't come up with that. She was just shocked. Anyway, it's kind of a, I call it a wow moment. Wow, word of wisdom. It's like, wow, that totally makes, like, you know, people sometimes say stuff like that to you, and it could be a word of wisdom coming out of you. You just don't, you need to give the credit to the Holy Spirit for those times when that happens. Uh, okay, so that's the, uh, discerning, uh, the discerning gifts. Now, the next group is the declarative gifts. Everybody say declarative. You guys getting something out of this? All right, the declarative gifts, kind of obvious. Uh, the first one is prophecy, prophecy. Um, this is the definition, a message of encouragement from God. By the way, a message of encouragement from God through a person, uh, to a person or person. So it can be a personal word to someone. It can uh, individually or it can be corporately. It's a message of encouragement, not discouragement. It's not correction according to the scriptures as some teach. In fact, look at some of the scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Those who prophesy are to speak edification, exhortation. By the way, exhortation means to appeal, to urge. It's, it's, it's to direct. It's not correct. Appeal, urge, direct. All right? And comfort. That's what prophecy is for. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all, see, it's not just for some. It's not just for one. I have that gift. No, we all can what? We all can prophesy. Say, I can prophesy. Go ahead, just do it right now. No, uh, you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be what? Encouraged. So that sometimes it takes some development. Sometimes it, it's, it's just like when you're a child. You, you think as a child, you speak as a child, but then you, you grow. You get better at these things. And I think one of the uh, safety nets for the grooming and development of your gifts is in your small groups. That's why I highly encourage you to be in a connect group so you can grow in the gifts. Maybe share a, a word of wisdom. Maybe you receive something prophetic. Prophetic doesn't mean you have to speak in King James and get up and you know say, you know, the Lord doth say. In fact, years ago... Years ago in this church, I remember some, there was a person, they got up, they, they felt like they had a prophetic word, and they stood right up, and they were smart enough to, to check themselves, and they stood up, and what happens is sometimes you'll get a, a, like an, a, an inkling from the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of different people respond in different ways, like my, my wife's hands get sweaty. I don't know what it is. She just knows the Holy Spirit's coming all over her. I can be holding her hands, and all of a sudden, they're just like pouring sweat. I'm like, honey, you all right? Like, what's going on there? She's like, I'm getting something from the Holy Spirit, you know? <laughs> She had it just a couple of weeks ago, and she had a word for like four, four or five couples up here at the front. Some of you were in that being prayed for by her. She had a direct word for people. That was the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke, and she had she either the word of wisdom or she had a word of knowledge or something like that. It's just funny when that happens. But sometimes people feel something, a prophetic utterance coming. And so she, this particular woman, she stood up, and she was premature. She was really excited. She just wanted to say something. She said, the Lord does say. It's just like this long silence. What doth the Lord say? <laughs> And she sat back down. It was awesome. I'll never forget that. What doth the Lord say? I don't know. So you don't have to talk like that, okay? That's the other part. You need to, you need to be, you need to know it's the Holy Spirit, okay? Especially if you're in a public meeting, because that can be very embarrassing. And I've told that story like a hundred times. Poor lady. She doesn't go to church here anymore, probably, because of it. Um, but more importantly, it can be conversational. So I have prophesied over you. I can feel like, I can, I've said it different times. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying this to me. You weigh it. But I feel like the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to tell you this. And then I'll tell you something. That could be prophetic. In not many days, I think this is what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And then you could have something that's very encouraging or edifying or exhorting to the body. Does it make sense? So you don't have to make it all freaky. I don't know where you got all that stuff, where it comes from, but sometimes we have to just peel off those old wineskins and walk in a new, fresh anointing. Amen? The next thing is tongues. Tongues. This is a message from God in a, la a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. Now, we'll spend some more time on this for, I'm completely lost on time. How am I doing? Doing all right? Good. Okay. I've been really into this, so I, can't, I haven't even paid attention to the back. There's a lot of people back there. Um, so he's, here's what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians 14. He's clarifying here between a public gift and a private grace. Next week, we're going to talk about the private grace. In other words, speaking in tongues 
for the personal edification of the believer, a spirit baptism, your prayer language. I'm going to debunk and demystify and make it all make sense and just so that people don't get weirded out by all that next week. You don't want to miss that, okay? But Paul right here talking about the tongues, this is about the, the public uh, office of this, the public gifting of this. He's separating these two so it can be clear. But again, there is a prayer language that every believer can receive and pray. We'll talk about that again later. But Paul is saying this, if a, um, in this particular text, if a pre-believer, as I like to say, some people say an unbeliever, but I like to say a pre-believer because I'm expecting they'll be a believer, amen? So if a pre-believer or an uninformed person comes um, into uh, church, don't speak in tongues, because they'll just think you're crazy. And, and I want you to think about this a bit. And I just hope, hopefully you can kind of open up a little bit as I say this. But I, I believe in tongues, okay? And shock and awe, I speak in tongues. I spoke in tongues on the way to church this morning. I do it every single day of my life. Um, nearly all of our leaders pray in tongues or want to. Uh, and all my staff, all my eldership do that. Um, why? Because... Because the Bible says so. The Bible says it's good for you. The Bible says it's there for your personal edification. And there, there, are, there are oftentimes believers um, that are informed, and so we pray in tongues. But if there are uninformed people, we need to be cautious about that. Uh, but, but when we do church, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, when there are pre-believers or uninformed people, is the translation, you don't do it in that situation. And I have believers ask me with sincerity, why don't we hear, you know, um, tongues in the weekend morning of service? Well, it's simple. It's because we have pre-believers and uninformed people present in the room. One time I was trying to explain this to, we were in a kind of a season of transition as a spirit-filled church wanting to be a soul-winning church. And those two often compete in a modern church, compete. So you have these extreme kind of renewal churches or the extreme soul-winning churches, but you, it would be nice to just be able to see a church that's focused on souls and also see the supernatural at the same time. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit was, showed me, I got a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. He showed me that people are like, I got a picture of a camera, like one of those old cameras, you know, open, it, open the back up, 38 millimeter, whatever kind of film in the back, you open it up. That's really old, right? I don't know. Uh, it's all digital now. That's all I know. And, and I saw, like, this camera, and it's basically saying that people are like that film in there. People's heart, they're like, it's like that film in there. That, it, that if you don't, if you're not careful to have the right shutter speed, if you're not careful to have the right lighting, if that light doesn't travel with the right angles and timing, that film will get overexposed. It's like pulling the back of it up and just going, ah, to the light. Is that light good? Yeah. God is light. In him is no variable. It's not a shadow of turning. He's good. God is good. All his light is good. But even Jesus himself, when he was here on the earth, he only gave him a pinky touch of what he, what he was like in heaven. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he showed just a couple of guys, just a little bit of his glory. And they were like, ah, freaking out. John the Beloved in Revelation couldn't even look at the Son of Man when he was in his glorified state. So there's, a, there's sometimes a journey that we have to go to where we can receive all that light representing really revelation or our relationship with all that God has for us. We need to be able to not overexpose people prematurely so they can develop appropriately. And so that's really the goal and the objective here. We're not forbidding anything, stopping anything. We're actually allowing the person to progress appropriately so they can have it all and live the full gospel, and the full spirit-filled life. Amen? The Holy Spirit showed me that. That was a wow, a word of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at most, three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him speak in silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So if you don't have an interpreter, you don't speak in tongues publicly. That's between you and God for your personal edification. Sometimes people come into a service where there's uninformed or pre-believers, and they're speaking in tongues real loud. That's confusing, and that's, people think you're crazy when you're doing that. So you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I was praying in tongues over here on the front row to myself, because that's how I build myself up before I get ready to preach. That, so, but I don't do it on a microphone. So I'm kind of revealing <laughs> everything, so you kind of know, but I think for the point of teaching, it's good for you to hear that. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or uninbelievers, there's that word, will they not say that you are out of your mind? 
But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report all that God is truly among you. See, so prophecy, and we'll talk about this, is actually a greater gift. Interpretation of tongues. Okay, so there's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Interpretation is understanding and expressing the thought or the intent. These words are really important, thought and intent, of the message in tongues. Paul is giving instructions on the gifts of the Spirit here. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So Paul does wish that you speak in tongues. Paul, Paul actually said, I speak in tongues more than you all. The guy who wrote one-thirds of the New Testament, which is one-third more than I wrote, you wrote, spoke in tongues more than everybody. It might have some value. But he says, even more that you prophesy, in other words, that you encourage people in a language that they can even understand. And, and, and for he who prophesies, watch this first closely, is greater than he who speaks with tongues or has more influence, you could say, or more impact, unless or except... Indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. So here's what's going on here. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is really likened to, similar to, equivalent to prophecy. So prophecy, it's great. Tongues and interpretation together are equivalent or like unto prophecy. Does that make sense? Okay? So let me explain this whole thing about interpretation with an illustration. I don't know if you've ever heard an interpretation of a tongue before. Many of you, probably most of you in this church have not, and that's understandable, but I have many, many times, some of you have many, many times, and frankly, sometimes I've questioned, as an honest Christian, sometimes the authenticity, um, the validity, veracity of it at times. I think sometimes charismatic environments are just me church environments, and we're just, we just, in fact, this is the kind of thing that used to be said in churches like ours, is if there wasn't a tongue and interpretation, then God didn't show up. That's just bad. That's not true. That's not true. If some, if we, you know, if, if it wasn't just like, we used to call them turkey shoots. Listen, we, we cannot minimize and or evaluate, you know, um, accurately sometimes um, whether God showed up or not when we're all about what I'm going to get out of it. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it does to me. In the past, I've actually experienced, though, in a meeting, uh, more importantly, a short tongue with a long interpretation, and I was confused by it. Somebody brought a short tongue, they had a long interpretation, and I thought, the words and the timing, it doesn't match, and there must be something different about that. It seemed illogical, and in fact, people in Christian circles have used that reasoning to discredit whether in fact it is true or not. But the reason is there's a difference between interpretation and translation. In the UN, United Nations, they have, they don't have interpreters, they have translators. They don't want interpreters. They don't want, if somebody's going to be talking about nuclear arms and a bomb or something like that, they don't want an interpreter. They want a translator. In other words, an interpreter is this. An interpreter is um, it's listening to what the person said and expressing the thought or the intent of what is being said. But a translator is a word-for-word -word situation. Everybody tracking? So you don't want, in certain situations, you don't want interpretation. Sometimes you want translation. But this is the interpretation of tongues. It's a gift to interpret thought and intent, not necessarily perfect word-for-word -word translation. Let me, let me put it like this. Uh, and when my son and uh, Madison were young, uh, they had this kind of weird, they still do, and they're, they're similar in a lot of ways, but they had this, they had this weird kind of connection. And um, uh, you know what? I'll do, I'm going to save that. I've got another one about Devin. <laughs> I've got a better one. I'm going to save that for next week, all right? But when Devin was in high school, um, Devin gets nervous when I say that because he had a phase there, right? But if I, if I asked him for the interpretation of how his day went, Specifically, if I said, Devin, how was your day in high school? It would be like basically one word, fine? Or, or more commonly, it would be like a grunt, a smirk, a little nonverbal, you know, some monosyllabic tone of some sort, you know what I mean? It would be very minimalistic, you know? Now, if I asked my daughter, Mallory, for the interpretation of her day, in other words, I said, Mallory, how was your day, it would, be, it would be very, very different. She would say, you know, well, uh, Dad, I, I woke up at 5.58 this morning <laughs> with a little bit of a sinus headache. 
I actually think it was a result of the hair coloring thing that I had the night before. Somehow it got in my sinuses. It creates kind of this headache. I wasn't sure if it was that or was the weather change from the, the night before to the morning of. And Anyway, in first period, I got to first period. We had a substitute, and she was totally stupid. I didn't even learn a thing. I can't even believe they're paying money for this lady to come to school. By second period, we had my normal teacher, and I learned a ton. It was incredible. And I noticed that my sinuses started to clear up by the second period. You understand my point? Like, if I talk to my son, there's going to be one interpretation. If I talk to my daughter, there's going to be a completely different interpretation. Like, you need some time if you're going to talk to Mallory about her interpretation of the day, all right? So I just want you to know, when you see that, if you ever see that, heard that, you got to understand the difference between translation and interpretation. All right, now the dynamic gifts. Let me get to those. The the dynamic gifts. Dynamic, kind of where you get the word dynamite. JJ, dynamite. I'm dating myself there. Dynamo, dunamis, those kind of words. It refers to power you will receive. These are some of my favorites uh, to experience or to describe. The first dynamic gift, my wife operates in this a lot, a supernatural faith, a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation, faith. Have you ever had a bad report from a doctor? Raise your hand, bad report from a doctor before. How many like to have the gift of faith when you get a bad report? Yeah. How many like to be around somebody who had the gift of faith when you get a bad report? Absolutely. Just a little over a year ago, I got a bad report from the doctor. was with my family. was in the hospital, as some of you guys know. And I remember coming out of a surgery, and the doctor says, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. He gave me the good news, and of course, you can't wait to hear, but you can, you can but you can't wait to hear the bad news. When the bad news hit, I was, sh- I was shaken, visibly shaken. My kids don't see that for me very often. I started to tear up. I had to pull away because I didn't expect to have to deal with that with them in the room, and, and my wife right in that moment, just rose up in her a gift of faith, and she began to speak encouragement to me, to the kids, to the doctors. It was powerful. Turned the whole situation. Remember that, kids, when mom talked? It was powerful, powerful. So you need the gift of faith in certain situations. Miss Helen, who was here last week, we call her Miss Helen, uh, Pastor John's wife, uh, her mom has the gift of faith, uses the gift of faith on a regular basis, and she got a bad report, and they were just talking about that at dinner with us and how she just took that as a challenge. That God's going to do something great, and I know he's going to work through this, and he must know I can handle this, and just faith came up. That's what it looks like. Um, the next one is the gift of healings. Healings, plural. This is supernatural endowments of divine health. Supernatural endowments of divine health. Again, people say, I have the gift of healing. No, you really don't. That is a problem, I think, sometimes that we have because here's, I don't know if I can do this well, but people think and promote that only some can have this gift and some can't. And I just don't see that in the Bible, so I'm just trying to be responsible. Um, Again, some may operate in it more routinely. They may have more confidence, but to say that one has it and you don't have it, I don't see that. I don't see that in the Scripture. And, And so... It's really not, I, I, again, it may be practically true. It may be experientially true, but you can get prayed for in a connect group by your, your group and receive healing. And because the Holy Spirit's there. Um, if you would believe that, you might actually see more healings. You might actually see more miracles as we get to that. The gift of healing is when we experience the manifestation of the gift of healing through us. And again, notice that word healings, it's plural. So it's, it's, it, and it's, it's next to, uh, uh, it's also in the next gift as well. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, and he heals all your diseases. The next gift is the working of miracles. Miracles. This is divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. Divine intervention that, offer, that alters our natural circumstances. Um, wouldn't you like that to happen for you once in a while? A miracle? How many believe you've ever experienced a miracle in your Christian experience? Raise your hand good and high. Some kind of a miracle. Good. Awesome. Wow. So it's not uncommon. Let me just tell you something. You know, God is immutable, immutable. That's a kind of a theological word, but it basically means is that he doesn't change. So if he did miracles back then, he still does them today. Malachi says, I am the Lord, I change not. He is immutable. So the same God who did miracles that you read in the Bible is the same God who can do miracles today. What limits the miraculous intervention of God in our lives is us, not God. 
He wants to do above and beyond, exceedingly above and beyond, more than we could ask or think according to the power that's in work within us. So we, God's power is unlimited, but we can limit his power. We can decide not to plug into the power source in the wall or we can limit the power or we can plug into it and have unlimited power. Does that make sense? That's what the Holy Spirit's all. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Okay. So it's a big deal. All right. Again, one person doesn't have this. Here's why. Because if one person um, doesn't, doesn't have this and, um, and I get in trouble, let's say one person does have this and I get in trouble, then I've got to find that person. I've got to move through the throngs and multitudes of people to try to find that one person to get that miracle, to get that healing. Listen, that's what's happened in Christianity over many decades now. Here's the problem with that is, I think Jesus went out of his way to leave so that would not continue. Jesus Jesus went out of his way to say, I must go so the Holy Spirit will come and empower the church, not just a few individuals. Guys, he's basically saying to his disciples, guys, I'm going away. Someone else is coming. It's better that I go. I must go. And we, and, we, and we somehow, in a way, we haven't let him go because now we're just looking for Jesus with skin on one person to give us the same thing that Jesus gave. Jesus said, I must go. I got something even better for you than me because I can only be one person, one place dealing with just a few people, but the Holy Spirit can be everywhere, working through everyone to every need that there is out there. It's a very different situation. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, look at, look at this, what he said. Jesus said this. He will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. In chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So he, he, I think when he was talking to the disciples, they were kind of in shock. He's like, fellas, listen, you need to say goodbye to me. You need to, you need to say goodbye to the superstar Christianity. Only one guy's got it. You need, you need to say, say goodbye to that. I'm leaving. I'm going to my Father. But the Father, who the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father, performed by Jesus, sends the Holy Spirit to us. He's, he's not going to leave you as an orphan. So you're all by yourself and there's nobody there to help you. No, I'm not going to leave anybody as orphans. I'm coming the Holy Spirit's coming, the third person of the Trinity, to love you and to help you all. So I think Jesus is saying, you got to say goodbye to me. you got to say hello to the Holy Spirit. Everybody say hello to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it's way better because everyone everywhere can receive this. Um, get something out of that? All right. Let's do this. Let's just put your Bibles away, your notes away. Um, this is what I want to do. I want you to stand to your feet if you can. If you're still able. And I just want to pray for us. I could have um, Pastor Deej. That'd be great. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just close your eyes and let's just give the Holy Spirit a couple minutes here. One service, let's give him our best. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just invite you, Holy Spirit, in this room to speak what I have not yet spoken, be able to speak, address. You know all the people that are in this room and you know all their individual needs, all the things that are going on in their life. If you could be very still, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Perhaps you're here and you're, and you're, you come in one way and God wants you to leave another. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to admit that life isn't working out quite the way you wanted to, the way you'd hoped. In fact, your life's a mess. You know it. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you about that. And we, don't, we sometimes want to just keep God outside until we get it all cleaned up. You can't. It's okay to admit it. It's okay to admit things are a mess. In fact, it's prerequisite for getting right with God, being in right standing with God, being saved. You can't be saved until you admit you're drowning. You can't be rescued. There's no lifeguard that's going to respond until somebody kind of waves their hands and says, help. In order to be rescued, you've got to first admit that. And there's some people here today, I know it, I just know it. I know it. I prayed about you already. Holy Spirit revealed it to me, that need a change. You need answers for some of the stuff that's going on in your life. And I just want you to know that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. He's the hope. But you must come to him in complete surrender. Not half-hearted, not I'm going to do it my way after this. Uh, I want part and parcel. I just want it categorically. I want God categorically. 
you know, just another compartment of my life. No. No, Jesus is the answer to it all. But you got to surrender your life to him. Some of you have never really done that. Jesus is so good at it, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you will surrender. He, listen, he wants to take your mess and actually turn around and make it your message. He'll take your mess, all the things that are so screwed up, he'll redeem it. It'll actually be the platform that you'll minister from. It'll be your message. He specializes in turning things around, but you have to invite him into your life. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, you know God's speaking to you as I'm speaking over you. Who will say, who will say that I'm ready to let Jesus take my mess and make it my message? Who will say that I'm ready to fully surrender my, not categorically, not partially, not halfway, but I, I've not done this, but I want to do this today. I want to give Jesus the wheel of my life. I wanna, he's the answer, and I agree. That's me. If that's you, will you raise your hand good and high and say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me good and high, good and high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hands over here on the side. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good and high. Don't want to miss anybody. Don't want to miss anybody. Thank you all the way at the back. I don't miss that hand all the way at the back. God bless you. Church, would you just pray this with me? And those that raise your hand, would you just pray this? Say, Jesus, I'm coming to you all the way today. Not halfway, not half-hearted. I give you my whole heart. You bled and died for me. The least I can do is give you my heart. Today I do that. I fully surrender my life to you today. I declare Jesus is the answer to all my problems, to all my questions. You're the solution to my greatest need. And I surrender my life to you fully. I make you today, by faith, by grace, my Savior and Lord. I give you the wheel of my life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for that. And I want to pray for another group of people that are here. And I'm just thinking that the Holy Spirit would speak to you as well. Maybe you've already done that. You've, you've recognized Jesus as the answer. You, you've, your, your eternity is secure, and you realize that relationship with him is, is, is established. But you've made that decision. But now you've acknowledged that. But you've, you've experienced, in essence, the first baptisms. And we talked about that a while back. But, and, and eternity's okay. But you're struggling in the here and now. You're struggling in the here and now. You don't know how to do it without, without some help. Jesus is the answer for eternity, but the Holy Spirit is the answer for the here and now. The Holy Spirit is the answer. He's the power for the here and now. And you got to sometimes make a move. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over all of you. But some of you know the Holy Spirit spoke to you as soon as I said that, that I need more. And I want you to come down. When I dismiss, I want you to come down front, and I want you to... Let somebody pray for you. The Bible talks about that. Lay hands on them. There's a transference of the Spirit's power. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And you receive the Holy Spirit. All the power, the love, the gifts. You get it all. The fruit of the Spirit, you get it all. And you need that and you know you need that. I want you to come down. But I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to dismiss you. But please come and receive prayer. We promise we're going to take good care of you. We're not going to scare you. I need all my leaders to come down front right now. And uh, don't, miss, don't miss an opportunity. What do you got that's more important than receiving a word of wisdom that you could operate in? What do you got that's more important than to be able to get a word of, of, of you know, knowledge for a certain situation? Or what, what do you got that could be more amazing than operating in, in, in the miraculous and seeing healings at your hands? What do you got that's more important than seeing faith rise up in you when you need faith? What do you have that is more powerful than prophetic utterances coming forth from your, your life? to edify you and to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is there for you. And you need to be willing to sometimes take that extra step. Now, don't feel condemned. If you have to go, I get it. Don't worry about it. That's not, I'm not after you. I'm after the one where you know the Holy Spirit spoke to you, but you're just going to kind of go out here the same instead of going out here different. So for those of you who know, you know that God is speaking and you just witness to the Holy Spirit, we just all, in fact, let's all just raise our hand just to receive a little bit more of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray uh, that you feel our gratitude for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for performing what you did and giving us the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here in our church and that you are doing a mighty move in our church, that you're changing people's lives from the inside out, not from the outside in, God, that you're pouring out your spirit, God. I pray that you pour out your spirit more on the people that are here today. They feel different because they came to church. They didn't just get some kind of seminar and some kind of self-help thing or whatever. That's all fine and dandy, God, but we want to encounter you. Come on, church, agree with me. We want to encounter a living God 
We want to encounter a holy God. We want to encounter the Holy Spirit. We want to know that his power is still real, it's still alive, that he can quicken our mortal bodies, that we can be different, that we can go out our world and make a difference, God. I pray in Jesus' name the Holy Spirit be present now in people's lives, that you empower, Lord Jesus, them to do the work of the ministry, that you make them bold witnesses, God, that they manifest fruit of the Spirit. It's beyond their capability that they operate with that love and that goodness and that patience and that self-control. It's the Holy Spirit that's empowered them to do that, God, that they have the gifts, Lord, and they recognize, oh, the Holy Spirit's telling me that. And they acknowledge, and it cultivates a supernatural relationship with the Holy Spirit and not with himself or something else that they're putting their trust in. We transfer our trust to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you, God. We are so grateful for our church where we can just receive and, and, and get all this and just kind of bask in all this and drink this all in. Thank you so much. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a big, big, big hand clap all around the house. Come on up, T. Thank you, thank you. I just want to uh, encourage you guys again right at the end of the service if uh if you'd like prayer you can come up we have the elders up here we have the elders up here in order to pray for you um just want to encourage you guys with that again also uh just a few announcements before we go